0: So what we're going to talk about this morning is things that divide us, things that separate us from other people. So the, the, top, the, the topic, let's see if Joe put it up there. So breaking walls and mending fences. So what I want to do is to us about things that divide, things that separate. But first what I want to do is kind of make an argument that we're not made on our own. We're not made to be by ourselves. We are not created to be individuals in this world all alone. When God created heaven and earth, and, and then he put Adam in, and, and they started naming and doing all this stuff, and all of a sudden God looked down and God said, Whoa, Adam's there all by himself. Start out in Genesis, first thing. God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. You know, from the, from, the, from the start of creation, God said, you are not supposed to be alone. You are supposed to be in a relationship. I'm going to throw a couple of scriptures up here behind us pretty quick. They're just going to kind of go. In Matthew, it talks about where two or more are gathered. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about two are better than one. In Proverbs, it talks about as iron sharpens iron, as it rubs against each other. That means you've got to have somebody else to rub up against you to sharpen yourself, to become more knowledgeable, to become more learned. Somebody that's going to draw out of you what God's put in you. Somebody that's going to say, hey, there's more of God in you than you believe there is in you. Um, when, when I was doing uh, Kairos in the prison a couple of weeks ago, and, and there, was a, there was a guy at the table that, 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 he was an outside guy like me, and we kind of gotten to know each other. And he wanted, to, he wanted to break off and, and speak to one of the residents individually. And I said, go get him." And he goes, well, you know, he was kind of like, hey, do you know me well enough to turn me loose on this guy? And I said, look, I trust the God in you to do what he's called you to do right now. And so you've got to have somebody else that's going to encourage you in those opportunities. You've got to have somebody else. When you're having hard times, that will reach a hand down and pick you up. You've got to have somebody else in the good times that you call and say, hey, I got a promotion at work today. Hey, the kids hit a home run. Hey, this happened. Hey, that happened. We all are called to be in relationship with other people. Amen? Amen. Everybody good with that? That can be family. That can be friends. But you have to have that fellowship. You have to create that relationship where you are invested in somebody else. In uh, Matthew... You know, when, the, when they were trying to trick Jesus, it was really easy. They, they, you know, the, the, the Pharisees said, you know, what's the greatest commandment? What Jesus immediately say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. What was the next thing he said? And your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Amen. Everybody. Everybody. Let's look at the Good Samaritan just for a minute. That's in Luke. Then, okay, then Jesus answered A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. How many times do we pass on the other side because we don't want to get involved? Likewise, the Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So you got a priest and a Levite. We're moving up the food chain because the Levites, who were the Levites in the Old Testament? They were the keepers of the temple. They were the tribe of Levi. They, they were supposed to be the high holy ones. But wait a minute, I, I'm not going over there. But a certain Samaritan, historical data, Samaritan was a blended tribe. Most of us know that. It was part, part, somewhat Jewish, somewhat you know, agnostic, somewhat this, somewhat that. They were not perceived in the highest order in the community back then. But a certain Samaritan, a guy that most Jews looked down upon, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set, set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whenever, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? This is a pretty easy question. It's very biblical. It's very straightforward. It's pretty easy. Which one of the three are you? Which one of the three are you? Are you the priest? Who didn't want to get involved? Are you the Levite? Are you you the righteous one? Are you the holy one that says, I'm not willing to get dirty. I'm not willing to get down in that boat. I'm not willing to walk through the mud. I'm not willing. Are you the Samaritan? He walked across the street. He bandaged his wounds. He put him in his car. He gave him a ride. He took him to the inn. He put him up at the inn. The Samaritan who most of society looked down upon, he quietly did it. Notice he didn't show up in church and say, look what I did. Nobody's waving a banner, nobody's waving a flag. But if our community and our city and our country are filled with unsung heroes who reach out and take the time to get involved in other people's lives, it's time, guys, that we get involved in other people's lives. It's time that we invest in other people. It can get ugly. You can have to go out of your way. It can get messy. But it's also what God has called you to do and to be. Sitting on the sideline, it, look, you get your ticket to heaven, I got that. But sitting on the sideline will not give you the, the fulfillment and the excitement and the honor that God has called you to do and to be. There are so many people involved in the church that are so committed to investing in other people the, the, the older I've gotten you know I used to think um, just kind of spitting out advice was was pretty good and pretty helpful and all that kind of stuff and I was like well wow, was pretty good yeah 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 the older I've gotten the more I realize that the less the more the less my advice is asked for the less they value it and if I'm not invested in somebody when we're having a conversation if I don't have relationship with them it doesn't give me the right just to blow into their life and blow into that relationship and speak into it and say, you do A, B, C. Because as guys, we're fixers. You know, we hear, we see, we do. We won't say, okay, you do A, then B, then C, then D. And no, you don't get hung up on B. You just do it and go. But if if I don't have a relationship into that life, then it's not my... It's not my opportunity to speak into that life like God's telling you to do and to be. We have to go out of our way to get involved in people's lives. Part of getting involved in people's lives is, is let me let me back up on this. You know the way I spell relationship: T I M E. Time. You got to invest time. You got to invest time into a relationship. When For those of you that are married, when you first started dating, all you could do was boom, all the time, all the time, all the time. Relationships take time to develop. Levels of trust take layers and layers. Uh, A friend of mine likes to use the analogy of an onion. You know, to get to the core of the onion, you just peel off layers and layers. Take time where you have to just invest layer after layer because we're all geared the same. I trust you with this so I make sure you can hold on this, and then I trust you with this because it's deeper things and it's more sensitive to me. And so we have to develop those layers of trust. Once you develop those layers of trust, you've got to have the maturity to develop that and stay in that relationship. You've got to honor that relationship. But it takes a level of maturity to hold that relationship dear and close to you. Rick Warren, who's the pastor of a Saddleback Church out in California, he made a, a statement uh, that I really like. He was, he was asked about when he ministers to different subcultures in society and how do you do this and how do you do that and how do you fellowship with people you don't agree with all the time. I thought this was really good. He said, I don't have to see eye to eye with somebody to walk hand in hand with them. I can still love them even though I don't agree with them all the time. When, when I was a, a county commissioner and... and, and You're out, and people stop you in restaurants and stop you here and stop you there. Well, I don't agree with this, and I didn't agree with that, and I didn't agree with this, and I can't believe you did that. And I said, look, man, I said, Becky and I don't agree on where we're going to eat supper all the time, but we usually eat. You know, we don't have to be 100% locked into agreement on any and everything for us to walk together. I don't know anybody that that is 100% locked in where they agree completely. Oftentimes, Being the mature one in a relationship means that sometimes you got to choose over just being right. How far do you want to push that to be right? Are you willing to destroy that relationship just to be right? you got to be mature. There's a a season in in church, there's a season in life. Your maturity is what we're looking for. From leadership, from, from here, we're looking to see consistently day in and day out How do you walk this out? How do you make this happen? And so allow your level of maturity to be in that relationship. When you've got that relationship, the worst thing you can do is discuss that relationship out on the streets. Because once you lose that trust, man, it is so hard to build that trust back up. So this is a little side note. I just wanted to put it in here. Um, It's the concept of influence versus authority. Okay? Authority will get you seen. By position and authority, it will get you seen. When I was a county commissioner, there were certain things I could go and attend and do and be because of the position I held. Influence. Influence gets you heard. Do you get the difference? As a boss boss of a company, that'll get you seen. But the employees, knowing you're investing in them and you care about them, that influence is what will get you heard. That's what people will listen for, and that's what people will look for, is do you care, and is what you're saying a value, because I know you care. In scripture, and I'm, I'm kind of beating around on the friends thing, I, I just just wanted to keep pushing on that. Um, in scripture, David and Jonathan, Jonathan was the son of Saul, and, we, and a lot of us know that story, and that's in 2 Samuel. Here's how valuable relationships were to David. And I didn't write all scriptures down like Dale did, so Joe, if you'll throw that up there. So now David said, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was Saul's son. He and David had entered a covenant relationship with each other years and years and years before. And, and, and they, they were like BFFs today, okay? Yeah. So, and there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called to David, the king, they said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is at the house of Micar, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then David sent and brought him out of the house of Micah, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now, when Methibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his feet and prostrated him. Then David said, Methibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather and you shall eat bread at my table continuously that's how important that relationship was to David that almost a generation later David did not even know there was anyone left and God moved on him and said hey who's left that's in the lineage of Saul and uh, Jonathan that I can show kindness to in the in the New Testament we've got We've got the analogy of Paul and Timothy. That relationship is a father-son type relationship. In in the New Testament, we've got Jesus and Lazarus. They were friends. What's the shortest verse in in, in the Bible? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He wept because of his relationship with Saul. I mean, excuse me, with Lazarus. We've also got Jesus and the apostles. So relationships are what's important, guys, and I've been trying to lay a, a defined foundation so we understand that you, we've got to be in relationships for things to happen, for, for things, you know, to you be able to speak and hear into that relationship. So everybody's good with that. Ken said amen. So we're good with relationships are the premise of everything that's happening. All right. So if that's where we're supposed to be, why are we not there? What's happening? Why are we not in that relationship that we're called to be? There's a big butt hanging out there. But we build walls. We build walls. The, paper, the paper's just a, a, a visual for you to have on that, but we build walls. We often build walls that separate us from others. We allow our influence, our authority, and our responsibility to others to be marginalized our impact on others becomes ineffective and our lives become comfortable with the indifference that we show to who is our neighbor. I want you to take a minute, I want you to bow your head and I want you to listen and I want you to with your heart.
1: I don't know when I first began to build the wall. I suppose it was when it occurred to me that I could keep people out of my life by building a simple wall. The wall would be kind of a boundary, kind of a protection. At first, the little wall was only knee high, and it was really quite attractive, made of native stone that I had found in my life. The wall was so small that some of the people didn't notice it and would stumble right over it and fall flat on their faces. Others saw it but would step over it and come very close to me. I found this very uncomfortable, so I built the wall higher. This higher wall was really much better, but I found that some people would come and rest their arms on the wall while they talked to me. Some stayed too long, and some were not my kind of people. And even when I edged the top of the wall with sharp stones, they didn't seem to notice. One day, one of them vaulted over the wall and stood right inside. This made me so angry, so I decided to build the wall higher. As I continued to build, I became more and more self-sufficient. Soon, no one could see in or out. But then I realized that no one had stopped by to talk for some time. Some people walked by not seeming to notice me or my wall. Others stood sadly by and watched me build. I thought they were jealous of my wall, and I resented them. All of them. Some of the stones in my wall were so dear to me that I polished them carefully several times a day. Then one day I realized that the wall was so high that I no longer saw anyone or heard anyone go by. Is anyone out there? I yelled. There was no answer. It was dark and the air smelled bad and I stayed there for a long time. It was quiet. And dark and lonely, only the whispers of my memories could be heard. One day, someone yelled from the other side, Your wall is ugly. It's twisted and gray and it's all out of shape. I did not want to hear this. I liked my wall. In fact, some of the stones from which I had built the wall were very dear to me. It was the day that the flower fell at my feet that I began to cry. I ran to the wall and climbed to see who had thrown it over, but by the time I reached the top, no one was there. I returned to the flower and sat for a long time looking at its perfection. Then I began to see the folly of my wall and its imperfection. Floods of tears brought me to my knees. Oh, I'm so alone. My wall is too high and too thick and too ugly. I have nothing left. Won't someone help me, please? Then a strange thing happened. Something inside me stirred like a remembrance of peaceful times past. And in the stillness of my broken world, I knew God that was there a blessed presence that God would come to me and that my darkness had been penetrated by this blessed light. I stood in the joy of this presence. I knew that God had watched me build my wall and that God had waited patiently for me to see that it really was a selfish waste of time. Finally, it occurred to me that the divine creator could tell me why my wall was so ugly. It was then when I began to ask, God began to teach me. God gave the stones names. This stone is jealousy. You must remove it. Sometimes I would protest. This was one of my favorite stones it was one i had saved and cherished for years but when i was finally ready god helped me remove the stone and so i went through the stones named envy disillusionment resentment childishness stubbornness sometimes with god's help and sometimes with the help of strangers as we removed more stones the light began to come in I even felt a hand reaching through a small hole trying to touch me. Then there was a stranger who walked in one day and told me he had let God tear down his wall. I told him how I had suffered so, that I would never forget how forsaken and lonely I had felt inside my wall. Yes, he said, self-pity is a terrible thing. When he left my... I found my stone of self-pity in my wall. And what do you know? It was wet with my tears. I dried it off and laid it with the other stones that I had taken from the wall. Overwhelmed by God and all that he had done for me and all that he had taught me, I stood on a large remaining stone and began to tell anyone who passed by, what God had done for me. I was appalled that no one seemed to hear what I was saying. I noticed others working on their walls, and I ran over to, and I pleaded with them to stop, but nobody would listen. In my frustration, I lay face down on the stone I had stood upon. It was extremely large and highly polished. It was more than life size. Do you want me to answer the question? God asked, raise your head and look at the stone you're lying upon. I raised my head and caught my breath. For I saw my own reflection in the massive stone. Suddenly I knew the stone's name. It was pride. Quietly I removed it. Then God said a strange thing. Now you must go, but I will go with you. And yet I will stay here. I protested god that there were still more stones to remove then god answered i said i would go with you do you remember the flower that fell at your feet the hand that came through the hole to touch you the stranger who showed you your own self-pity oh yes i thought to myself oh yes Then you must go do likewise, for to whom much is given, much is expected. Wherever you go, I will go with you. And whenever you come back here to be tempted or to remove more stones, I will be here for you. And so I went out. I saw the walls of others, and when I could, I threw a flower over. I reached my hand through. Those walls were unbelievably ugly. I heard great sobs behind the walls. My heart ached. I even cried out to God one day, won't you please help this person? Later, I returned to my wall, and God, the Blessed Presence, was there. Together, we removed the stones of fear, mistrust, and indifference. Then God said, now you're beginning to understand love, without love the things that I've told you would be meaningless. Now you will begin to live in peace and understand all of those people around you whom you thought were not your kind.
0: Have you allowed walls to be built around you? Have you allowed your life to be separated? And unengaged from those around you? Have you withdrawn yourself from those that you're called to be involved with? Can you remember when and why you might have started building a wall around yourself? Did you do it gradually? Did life just get to you? Or did you build it overnight when something happened? Think about your wall. Look at your wall. How does it look? Is it allowing you to do the most and be the best that you dreamed your life would be? Have you allowed yourself to become self-sufficient and not sufficient? Is this the highest that God has destined you to be? Let's look at some in the walls that we talked about. We talked about, in the story, jealousy, envy, disillusionment, resentment, childishness, stubbornness, self-pity, pride, fear, mistrust, indifference. What about anger? Did you get mad about something? Were you angry about something and allowed the wall to build up between you and someone else? Did you allow substance abuse to separate you from somebody else? Did you allow unforgiveness to move into your heart and your mind towards somebody else? Did you allow selfishness to come into your life and separate you from somebody else. What are the names on some of your stones that you've allowed to build up that are separating you from someone you love, someone you care about, someone that needs you in their life? Think for a moment about that person that God has put in your heart right now. What's separating you from the person or persons that you know you're supposed to be in a relationship with? What is that thing that you can do to, re- re- to remove that stone and to remove that wall? That thing you're thinking about right now that you know deep down inside you got to deal with, that God's got to help you release that, I want you to ease out of your chairs. There's some markers at the bases of the wall grab you a marker and i want you to write up on that wall the paper i want you to write up there that thing that separates you from somebody you love take a minute feel what's in your heart and write up on the wall what it is that separates you from somebody you love When I, uh, when, I, when I saw this done 30 years ago, 35 years ago at a youth camp years ago, and I remember looking at the wall after everybody had wrote on it. And the hard part is you kind of expose yourself when you write it up there, but the reality is nobody knows who wrote up wrote what up there for the most part. And I remember looking at some of the reasons that we separate ourselves from others. And some of them are really pretty simple to fix. And you know, some of them are really pretty easy. Some of them are a little more difficult. Some of them take a little more time. I understand that. Um, I remember somebody wrote up there five miles. Five miles separates them from somebody they love. Five miles to me and you is just around the corner. But that five miles could have represented a whole lot of happening in that five miles to them. Today, I felt like God said, I'm throwing a flower over your wall. I'm reaching a hand through that wall to you. I'm the stranger that's speaking to you that says, it's time. It's time. So what are we going to do about the stones What are you going to do about your stones? Are you ready to remove the stones in your wall? You're the one that has to be ready. You have to be ready and you have to be willing. I can't remove your stones. I can help you. I can you. I can agree with you. I can be a friend for you. But I can't move those stones. That's between you and God for you to remove those stones. You know, some stones I found out are fairly easy to remove. It just kind of takes the decision, a couple of things here and there. But you can't remove just the easy stones. God's calling you to remove those difficult stones, those stones That you've stood on for years and years and years and years and years. That you've used to identify who you are. And by God, I'll never change. How many times have we heard somebody say, well, that's just how I am. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do this. They can either take me like I am or they can do something else. That's not who God's called you to be. That's not who God has called us to be. Even those that gave you great comfort. There's some stone, most of us have lived life long enough that there are things that people do that they do to bring them comfort even though it's destroying them inside and out. Those are the stones that you got to let go of, I'll say. So this morning, just like in the story where the guy felt a stirring, he felt the presence of God peace that you had before the stones and the walls started coming into your life and developing it's time it's time it's time, it's time. as individuals work through these stones and the walls that we've put up it's time we as a church start engaging in the lives of each other in the church in the body it's time we as a church get involved in the community around us and in the culture around us. I I went to a a funeral yesterday afternoon uh, in another church, and on their wall, they had two big signs back behind the uh, platform, and uh, it said, Engage culture, transform lives. Engage culture, transform lives. You've got to be involved to change the world around you. It's time. It's time for us to get dirty. It's time for us to get involved. Can you feel God saying, Hey, it's time. It's time that you ask Him, Lord, what stones do I need to remove? Father, show me those stones. It's time that you listen Quit running through life at 90 miles an hour that you don't stop and smell the roses. There's reason that saying's hung around so long. Learn to enjoy life again. Allow God to teach you and allow him to rub off on you. As iron sharpens iron, rub up against him a little bit. To whom much grace is given, much grace is expected. The saddest part to me about you building walls is you're keeping me from seeing the God in you that I need to see. You're, you're holding back on me what I need to rub up against you and what I need together. So by you doing that, you're you're creating that separation. I've talked to enough people over the years, I've been in enough counseling, I, I've, I've, I've involved a lot of people. Let me tell you, 99.9999% of the world, you got a great story to tell. You don't see your life like that, but if you sit down and talk to other people and they get to know you and you get to know them and you start realizing the things that God brought you through, the things that you overcame, the mountains that you took over, the, the hills that you conquered you got a great story to tell. And you got to learn to tell your story. you got to learn to trust somebody and tell your story. It's time that you let your story be heard. It's time that you step up into what God's called you to do and to be. Each of us, each of us need to step into that. It's time to release that story that God's put in you. It's time for you to rise up. It's time for you to be an impact person to affect those people around you. It's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to get dirty. It's time for you to have fun. It's time for you to share yourself, to share your heart. Get in the boat with somebody else. Help them row for a little while. Help them row. Help you bring to them what they need to get through that next phase of life oftentimes. Let me caveat some of this. I'm not saying you got to be best buddies with everybody you meet and everybody you run into. But you will know when a relationship is developing that God is calling you to engage with with other people. You'll know that. God will create opportunities for that relationship to develop. You will know that. I'm not saying, you don't, don't walk out and say, i got to be best buddies with everybody. No, you don't. But there are those that you do. There are those that you do. Let God show you who he's calling you to be in relationship with. Start looking for opportunities. Most of us go through our day-to-day life and we don't pay attention to get involved. There's big things. Liz Liz going to Haiti. She and Ben go to Haiti. Charles could use some help back in the, in the food pantry. There's things around the church that need to be done. There's things in the community that need to be done. I have never heard of the Red Cross saying, no, we don't want you. I've never heard of the United Way saying, hey, we can't use another volunteer. I'm sorry, man. We're just all out of needing other volunteers. I haven't heard of, of, of kids' athletic teams saying, we don't, we don't need another coach. We, we got all the coaches we need. We got all the people we need. We got everybody we need. There's opportunities for you to get involved and get engaged. Quit waiting on the phone to ring for you saying, hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I want you to do that. Pick up the phone. Call. Find out what you can get involved in. Find out what you can get engaged in. Find out what your neighbor needs. Find out what your neighbor needs. You know, Becky and I, those that know us uh, so we've we kind of, the last six months, we've been pretty nomadic. Um, we, we sold the place we were living in, Lake Park, and she wanted to move to town, and I didn't want to move to town. And I, I tell everybody we're having marital discord, um, so we couldn't agree to where we wanted to be, so we moved in with a buddy of mine. He had a big house, lived there all by himself. We stayed on that end, he stayed on that end. We, we, we were there two or three months. So then Jason, our son, had a house for sale, and he had nobody look at the house, and, and, and uh, he said, hey, why don't you guys move in, and, and uh, you know, y'all can live there, and I, I still got the contract on the house, but I won't try to sell it, and I won't tell the realtor to try to sell it, and, and so we moved in and, and started unpacking and got all the boxes cut and folded back flat, and I was ready to take them back to the office, and um, Jason called me. Five days. Five days, hey pops I got a contract on the house. <laughs> Let me tell you how excited Mama was about that <laughs> so i didn't i wasn't going to tell her until because his was a verbal contract he hadn't seen anything written. you know how that goes, and realty contracts fall through sometimes, <laughs> so uh, so I was going to wait to say anything to her and she pulled up that was on a Friday, and she pulled up on Monday after school and came in the house and said a few choice words because there was a sign out front that said sale pending. Mama was not real happy with a sale pending sign after we had already boxed all the boxes back up. So uh, she wouldn't even talk to her son for three days. I'm like, baby, he got full price. He didn't even discount it. I mean, be happy for the guy. And she goes, ah, M- Mama Bear was not happy that day. She wasn't happy for a while. So then we had a quandary. Where do we go? What do we do? I didn't know if if it were Crawford, I'd be on a hundred acres in the middle of it with a with a a, a gate on the front door that said "Leave me alone." I'm I'm back behind the pine trees. I'm good. You know, that would that would be my preference. So while we were having the Feast of Tabernacles service, you know, I was kind of praying through, "Lord, you got to tell me where do I go? Where do I be? You know, where do you want us to be?" And uh, and we're out in Nelson Hill. And that's up on the north side of town. And those are what I call zero-lot line houses. You know, my, my wall is probably here. Here's my neighbor's wall. Um, you don't get a lot of privacy. You don't get a lot of... You don't run out in the yard in your boxer shorts. You don't wear your robe out to the mailbox. You, you, there ain't a whole lot of things you do like that. And I felt like God said, I want you to stay where I've got you. And I'm like, oh, God, seriously? You know, I, I, I don't do that real often. I was like, seriously? And, and I felt like God said, yeah, I want you to stay there. And then I did what I don't always recommend you doing. I'm like, why? Why, God? You know, and, 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 and I actually got an answer. It I seldom happens, but I actually felt like I got an answer, and, and God said, or I felt like God said, you know, when I, when, when I, when I get mature Christians... And, and they get through life. And, and the goal in life is to go from a small house to a bigger house to a bigger house. Make more money, get more house, get more, get more yard spread out. We become more separated from those around us. We become more isolated from those around us. And I felt like I heard God say, I want you to invest where I've got you planted. I want you to create relationship and community within that neighborhood. And so... We now had about a week left to figure out where we were going to be. And so I know the developer, and I called him up. I said, uh, hey, you got a house you want to rent? He said, I don't know. Let me think about it. I was like, crap, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so he said, call me back tomorrow. So I called him back tomorrow. He goes, oh, man, I hadn't even thought about it. I was like, I got a week. I got to be somewhere. You know, I got stuff stacked up in the carport I got to go. I got to be. And so uh, I called him back. He said, Come back later today. So I called him back later that day. And he goes, yeah, I got a house. It's four bedrooms. I said, I don't need four bedrooms. He says, that's all I got. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> y- y- y'all ever had those kind of, co- it's kind of like when you're going to Atlanta and you got one hotel room left in the hotel, you're like, I'll take it. I don't care what it is, I'll take it. And he goes, well, don't you think you want to come get the key and take Becky by and let her go see it? And I said, no, we'll take it. <laughs> and he goes, well, you need to take Becky by. I said, all right, I'll take Becky by, but we'll take it, you know. So that, that's where we are. We're investing. I believe God's got us there to invest in that community. You know, I, I, is it where Crawford wants to be? No, it's really not. I really, my, my, my therapy time is, is riding a tractor out in the middle of the woods with nobody there but me. But that's, that's a different time and season. Be available. Listen. Pay attention. See what God's talking about. See where God wants you to invest. I'm not saying he's probably going to ask you to move to a neighborhood or a subdivision, but there is somewhere that God's calling you to invest and get involved in. Find out where that is. Find out. It could be something crazy. Liz could have a stack of people wanting to go to Haiti with her all of a sudden. They've got a crowd, but they could have more. You know, Rick. Rick's getting ready to go to South America. You know? There there are those possibilities. A friend of ours just got back from Cuba. Trying to talk me into going to Cuba. I'd actually love to go to Cuba. I always thought that'd be really cool to go to Cuba. Um, Give yourself a chance. See where God wants you to invest. See what God's calling you to invest in. See what he's calling you to do. In uh, Kairos, which is the prison ministry I do that that y'all heard me talk about several times, we've got a, a... Part of one of the talks in Kairos says it's just three simple things about, about the kingdom it says be a friend it's what we've talked about today, be a friend make a friend you got to be the friend you got to make a friend, bring a friend to Christ how do you fill up churches? be a friend, make a friend bring a friend to Christ it's pretty simple, just reach out and grab somebody's hand and bring them along with you so let's circle back around real quick Let's talk about opportunities. So when you leave here today, how many of y'all are going to lunch? How many of y'all are willing to go to lunch with somebody you don't already know? Got heavy, didn't it? How many of you willing to go to lunch with somebody you don't really know? It's not simple. You go to church with them. It's not like they're total strangers. You know? Do something different. Invite somebody to church that you don't know. Or invite somebody to church that you kind of know, that you've seen, that y'all have spoken and you said hello a couple of times. Find a way to get engaged with people. We're going to start creating more opportunities around here for you guys to get engaged with each other. I, I hope some of you can cook. Because so, we're going to start doing some things to create engagement. But we want you to do it here in, in, in church, in this body, but we also want you to do it out in your community. We don't want you to be 100% focused just on who you're sitting around today. We want you to engage out in the community. So today, when you get ready to go to lunch, invite somebody. Get somebody to go with you. I didn't say you had to pay for them to go with you. I just said invite them to go with you. So for those of you that were hoping somebody was going to invite you and pay for it, stop it. the hope somebody invites you and you walk your own walk and you pay for lunch. But... Y'all try to get somebody to go to lunch with you. Try to do something different. Try to engage. And every Sunday, try to get somebody different to go to lunch with you. Make an effort. And it might start out with two couples or three couples or four couples. But what we're thinking about is at some point saying, hey, I'm going to X restaurant if we want to have a crowd to go to the restaurant. We're going to be there. So, we'll start randomly popping up restaurants that we know that if 30 people show up, you know, they can kind of work everybody in at the restaurant. But we're trying to think of opportunities and ways that you can get engaged and involved. So, let's circle back around and talk about the wall and the, and the, and the blocks. So, on your way out this morning, what I want you to do is walk back by the wall. The wall that you've built, the wall that you've allowed to be built, the wall that separates you from somebody that God's calling you to be in relationship with, I want you to walk back by that wall. Tear that wall down. Pull that paper off the wall. And go and do something different today to engage in in life with somebody else that God's calling you to be engaged with. Amen? Amen? So, well, let's pray real quick. Well, Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your covenant relationship with us, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that you've called us to be in relationship and fellowship, not only with you, but with our fellow brothers, Lord God. Father, I pray that you stir up a passion inside every person that's here, Lord God, to reach out to somebody, Lord God, to get get involved in the nasty in their life, to get involved in the good in their life, Lord God, to be a friend, to be a confidant, to be a counselor, to be an advisor, Lord God. I pray for wisdom, Lord God, for relationships, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that you continue to pour out your grace and mercy upon us, Father, as we walk into what you've called us to do and to be. Lord God, this time and this day and these people, in Jesus' name, amen. Tear the wall down. Tear the wall down.